You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. I'm on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Himalaya, Podbean, Stitcher, whatever you like. And if you don't like any of those services, or if you're a commuter and you don't want to be looking at your phone while you're finding your favorite podcasts, you can always just ask your smart device like Siri. It works with Google Home, Alexa play podcast Locked on Vikings. It takes you right to the most recent episode. And today is actually going to be the last time that I talk to you before the uh, Thursday night game against Buffalo. As I said on yesterday's podcast, but in case you missed it, I will be holding off on the Thursday show to record it uh, instead after the game so that you can get a quicker game recap instead of having to wait all the way until next week's Monday show. And then we can spend the Monday show talking about the roster cuts and then transitioning into actual regular season content, which how exciting regular season. It's like right around the corner. So today we are going to preview the Bills game. And instead of previewing like the opponent or any of that stuff like we would for a regular season game, since this is a preseason game where most of the starters won't play, I doubt we're going to see like Jerry Hughes or Josh Allen or any of those guys. This is going to mostly be about guys, you know, fighting for roster spots, fighting for practice squad slots. And there are uh, some of those battles that are still ongoing. So the main meat of the show is going to be talking about those position battles and essentially talking about the kind of versus matchups that I'm going to be watching for during the Thursday night game. Uh, but first, there's a little bit of news that we do have to handle. Yesterday, Jordan Taylor and Benet Ben Wickery were released by the team. So I'm a little surprised by Benet Ben Wickery. I actually thought he would make the team. So him not making the team, that definitely uh, is is gonna make that defensive back room look a lot different than what I personally expected. Jordan Taylor doesn't surprise me as much. He's been basically stuck with the third team throughout all of camp and the preseason, and he hasn't even been playing that well. The book on him was basically that he he couldn't ever get separation, and that persisted in camp in the preseason, but he could win contested catches. But the contested catch opportunities that he did get in the preseason, he failed on all but one of them. And uh, he didn't get that many opportunities, but he didn't seize the ones that he got. So the fact that he didn't make the team uh, doesn't surprise me at all. I thought Benet Benwickery was playing at least well enough to be like one of the top five corners on the team, uh, Holton Hill notwithstanding. So... I am a little bit surprised that he isn't going to be part of the team's plans moving forward, but if you weren't going to roster him, you're certainly not going to put him or Jordan Taylor on the practice squad, so it makes sense to cut them outright and uh, basically give them a chance to go elsewhere. But the timing of this is a a little bit fishy, right? Especially considering that there's been some whispers floating around about, you know, wide receivers from other teams, maybe trades, you know, Laquan Treadwell is trade bait, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, the, the... timing of a couple of roster spots opening up right before the final preseason game is a little bit fishy. Now, there was not a corresponding move by the end of the business day in the NFL, so it it was not a move clearing room for like a trade or something, otherwise that would have they would have happened simultaneously. Uh, that doesn't mean that a trade is out of the question later, but it doesn't mean that like that's what this particular cut was about. I also saw a theory, and this could have something to do with it, that you know if you know you're not going to roster them and you know you're not going to practice squad them, you might as well open up some of the reps in the Thursday Buffalo game or just in the remaining practices where you know you can give that many more opportunities to somebody who you might be considering for your practice squad instead of having to give give reps to like Jordan Taylor, who you know you're not going to put on the team. Guys like Davion Davis or Alexander Hall who have not gotten much run so far in the preseason because they're too buried down on the depth chart. Now, you know, one of those guys will probably get a little bit more time because 
Jordan Taylor is out of the way. And that could have something to do with it, though. I, I asked on Twitter, I was like, so what do you think is up? Because the timing's kind of weird. And a couple people responded with what I think is my favorite hypothetical, which is that, you know, there are a couple of veterans that might get another chance elsewhere, and the team's doing them a solid by basically saying, listen, we know we're not going to roster you, and we're not going to make you wait a week, you know, and, and play out the charade. Go start looking for your next chapter and get a get a head start on everybody else who's going to be cut from their teams. And they now have a week to go try and sell themselves to other teams instead of uh, playing the fourth preseason game for a team that isn't going to roster them anyways. So maybe the team is just trying to do them a solid. But on the other hand, you know, if they don't end up playing for anybody by the end of the fourth preseason game, then the team has just, you know, robbed them of a chance to put out more audition tape. But regardless of the timing, and, you know, it could mean a whole bunch of things. It didn't particularly mean a trade, but it doesn't not mean a trade either. Uh, and, of course, we'll keep an eye on all of those other goings-on around the league, especially once Waiver Day hits. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of Vikings uh, that are added to the team that are not currently on it, or at least one. I'd be very surprised if they didn't go anywhere on waiver claims, considering the, the status of their wide receiver and cornerback rooms. But now let's move on to the actual main focus of the episode, and I really want to talk position battles today. Uh, and, and I want to talk about specifically, like, who actually stands to gain something here? Because, you know, we, we entered camp with a position battle between, say, Josh Klein and Drew Samia. I talked about how, you know, and a lot of people said, you know, Josh Klein was uh, kind of like an average to below average starting right guard. And Drew Samia was this young, exciting rookie, and maybe there will be a battle there. That's been decided, right? Drew Samia has struggled way too much in the preseason. Josh Klein has had an actually pretty good camp in preseason, even though those two kind of switched roles in the Arizona game. Uh, I, I think that Josh Klein put quite a bit of distance. Like, that one's wrapped up. Josh Klein's not even going to play in the Buffalo game. It's over. And uh, and I think, like, the same goes for, like, the backup quarterback position. Even though, to our eyes, Kyle Sloter has played better. He's he's gotten more yards. He's produced more. He's done things in the huddle and, and made mental mistakes that we can't necessarily see or hear on TV, but that the coaches know he made. And based on the coaches' comments, it sounds like that battle's pretty much been decided. So who does stand to gain something? Well, I kind of want to stick with the, the cornerback room, especially because of the Benet Benwickery news that does kind of change the landscape of things. I kind of thought that he was in line for that, like, replace Holton Hill for eight weeks spot. I, I thought that that's why they got him, because it kind of felt like a response to Holton Hill's suspension, but now that spot is wide open. Even with Mike Hughes coming back, you still will probably have a fifth corner. Most teams don't carry four corners, especially in a world where you have to have three on the field all the time. It, four is a little bit too thin. So we'll talk about the contenders for that in a second. But first, I want to talk about our sponsor for today's show, Vivid Seats. I'm sure plenty of you are trying to get out to a game at some point this year. I know I am. And of course, you could just buy your tickets and get nothing back if you wanted to be boring about it, or you could check out Vivid Seats. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can go out, get your tickets to a game or a concert or whatever, and get something in return. Namely, you can build credit toward your next live event. So Vivid Seats is an app that you can go get from the uh, iOS store or the Google Play store. And in that app, you can look through for like price. You can look for your section or row of your choice. But the key here is what happens once you've bought the tickets through Vivid Seats. They have a, a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats rewards. And for the month of August, you can earn double credit back from 10 to 16% on all of your purchases through the Vivid Seats app. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. You'll be automatically enrolled in the Fan Rewards program. It's like part of the whole system there. And Vivid Seats has a 100% buyer guarantee, so you know it's legit. So get yourself to a Vikings game or whatever kind of show you want to go to, theater show, concert, whatever it is, through Vivid Seats. And you can enter promo code KICKOFF100, KICKOFF the number 100, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. One more time, that's Vivid Seats on the App Store or Google Play. Go check it out, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. 
Okay, how'd you like that for a tease? Uh, let's talk about these cornerbacks, because now who is going to take the fifth cornerback spot in Holton Hillstead? Now, I, I actually do think that you can get away with like just the five of Rhodes, uh, Alexander, Waynes, Holton Hill, and Mike Hughes, but you don't have one of those guys for the first five games, and I don't think that you can function in an NFL that's running uh, 11 personnel or three wide receiver personnel uh, as often as it is right now without a couple of extra depth corners. And, you know, maybe J. Ron Curse or somebody like Marcus Epps or something can come in and play corner in a pinch, but even like J. Ron Curse can't play outside corner. So right now, as it stands, you only have Hughes, Waynes, and Rhodes. Hughes coming off of a knee injury, Rhodes who's been banged up a bunch. Like, you need another backup here. So who's that guy going to be? Right now, Duke Thomas and Chris Boyd are the guys who have been playing uh, with the twos. Uh, both have been struggling, like, mightily, though. And honestly, I think this is one of those times where, like, because neither guy has outplayed each other, like, these guys could both, like, either of them could have a good game against Buffalo, and if they excel against Buffalo, they kind of win the job, even though they haven't really done anything to earn the job up to this point, like, at this point, it only really takes the one game, because you're going to roster somebody who had one good game over somebody who's had no good games. Of course, there's Craig James and Isaiah Wharton. Isaiah Wharton's barely played. He's been very much, like, relegated to the fourth team. I don't think he has much of a shot, though maybe there's some practice squad time in it for him. Uh, I think Craig James has been okay on special teams, and I think that might be a path to a roster spot for him. I'm not counting him all the way out, but I do think that he is kind of a step below uh, Boyd and Thomas right now, and he would kind of have to have, like, a breakout game and earn the spot that way. But I don't think that's out of the question. I wouldn't predict it, and I'm not going to, but I don't think that it's impossible. There's also a little bit of intrigue in, in the safety room. I think that Marcus Epps has a lot on the line here because I think that Marcus Epps could kind of take like that extra what used to be the sixth cornerback spot by expel, excelling on uh, special teams. I think that he could like kind of take that roster spot and and kind of make it so that he's the fifth safety now and then you still hang out with uh, 10 defensive backs which is what the Vikings have done this is both because you know you just want a lot of depth there and also because you don't want to have somebody who you expect to play like they only rostered four corners which some people have been uh talking about um you know you would only have Mike Hughes Xavier Rhodes Alexander and Waynes, and you wouldn't be able to have any of those corners playing special teams. Now, you need some defensive backs on special teams, and one way to get away with this is to have an extra safety, a guy like Marcus Epps playing on special teams, but for him to make the, the team, he has to play better on special teams than he has so far. I think he's made too many mistakes. I don't think he's played at a rosterable level, at least in preseason play. I've heard that he was really good in OTAs. I heard he had a couple of good days in camp that I wasn't there for, uh, but I'll take people's word for it, but I, I think that we need to see him play you know, against other NFL teams and play on a real field and and you know get something else done before I can say he played at a rosterable level but just because of the state of the defensive back room uh, he might not have to do that to make the team again if you even if you you cut it down to nine defensive backs which I think is taking some risks but if you did it like count it off in your head you know you have the corners the the four top corners and Holton Hill doesn't count yet uh, you have like Harrison Smith Anthony Harris Jaron Curse so that's seven guys and I call it Darren Smith by the way Darren Smith uh, left the the practice yesterday with an injury so we'll have to keep an eye on that I have no idea if it's serious or not uh, he probably won't play against Buffalo though, unless it was something that was just like a tweak that's fine the next day. So this kind of gives Marcus Epps like the best opportunity ever. You know, everything's on the line. Marcus, go out and take an NFL job. This is your opportunity. Personally, I still think that Darren Smith is going to make the team. I think he's been pretty solidly with the twos, and I think he's made way fewer mistakes than everybody else. And in that like way of consistency, he's put more distance between himself and uh, and the rest of the like younger defensive backs on the squad. 
Uh, but, you know, even if you only keep nine, which, again, like I said, is a risk, you basically are picking between one of uh, Duke Thomas, Chris Boyd, and Marcus Epps. And I don't think any of them have played at a rosterable level so far. So, like, somebody is going to make this team even though they didn't really earn it. And that's kind of a bummer. And that's kind of a, an indictment of the way that the Vikings approach the cornerback position. That said, they're only going to be on the team for eight weeks. And then Holton Hill comes back. And then it's a matter of, like, who's injured and stuff. And you have to deal with that every year. Uh, so it's not like a huge issue or anything, and it's very unlikely that that guy ever sees the field, but it is kind of rough that you can't find, you know, enough rosterable players for your 53-man roster. Not a huge deal, but something worth pointing out. Moving up the roster, I do want to talk a little bit about the linebackers. You know, I was just looking at the linebackers and, like, uh, some of their PFF data, which I hadn't really paid any attention to, and what I had seen from Cameron Smith was kind of corroborated. Uh, I, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to him until I saw him be highlighted by a couple of other people in the Arizona game, and then I did pay more attention to him. Uh, and I think after the Seattle game, people were like, oh, Cameron Smith's kind of playing well, and I hadn't noticed at all. Uh, but he has just been in the right spot very often, and that's a big deal for a rookie. You know, he's he's played, and that was kind of his whole thing, is that he's a smart player, and that, that he will be, you know, play disciplined and consistent, even though he's a below-average athlete, and he, he kind of won't give you the explosiveness of somebody like Devontae Downs. He will give you the consistency of somebody like Kentrell Brothers, who kind of fills that same role. And when Cam Smith was drafted, I kind of thought, okay, so this is direct Kentrell Brothers competition. I also have been talking a little bit about Ben Gideon as a surprise cut. Uh, PFF really, really liked his preseason, and I'll be honest, I, I don't really feel confident enough in my Ben Gideon takes to refute that. Uh, so I, I will kind of walk that back a little bit. I think it's the same thing as Cameron Smith, where he hasn't been the one making the tackle, but he has been the one on the right place, enabling somebody else to make the tackle. And we know from, uh, you know, years of Zimmer comments that he really respects players that can do that and accomplish that for other people, kind of play unselfishly. So as it stands, there's definitely room for six linebackers on the team, especially considering the way the defensive backs are going, maybe even room for seven, which would be quite a few. Uh, but Mike Zimmer did say it was a possibility and you have five guys kind of vying for that. I think Greer Martini's pretty much out. He hasn't played very much at all. He's been kind of in that same Isaiah Wharton fourth team thing. We'll see a lot of him against Buffalo. He does have a chance to kind of prove himself, but he is pretty far behind. And then I think you have brothers, Cam Smith, uh, Richard Cliette, and Devontae Downs. And you get to pick two, maybe three of those guys. I'm going to go with, stick with two for now. I think Cam Smith ends up being one of those guys, and I think the other one comes down to uh, Kentrell Brothers and Devontae Downs. Richard Cliette has had kind of an up-and-down preseason. I think he's made a couple of plays, but really I think he's made too many mistakes in special teams. And honestly, when you're the sixth linebacker to contribute on a 53 man roster, you know, being the sixth guy, it's very likely that you never see the field on defense. If you did, there's like a lot of injuries. Uh, so you have to contribute on special teams. Otherwise, why waste a roster spot on this guy? Or, you know, kind of be like a, a fourth round stash, kind of like what I think Drew Samia will be. And I don't think that Richard Cliette has played well enough on special teams to, to earn that. So I'm going to go right now with Cam Smith and Devontae Downs. And I think Kentrell Brothers is kind of a big maybe. Uh, but again, it all depends on how they do on Thursday. Thursday really gives like those three especially. And Richard Cliette, if he can have a good special teams day, you know, make a bunch of plays. Uh, if he can play a little bit better as a linebacker, and put himself in the same conversation with the other three draft picks. That's totally in the cards, but for now I'm looking at Brothers, Cam Smith, and Devontae Downs, and I think the worst of those three on Thursday gets cut, and I think there's a lot on the line for those guys. Now before I move on to what's going on on the defensive line headed into Thursday real quick, I want to shout out the flagship show of the Locked On NFL Network. Locked On NFL, it's a daily podcast just like this one, except they're Monday through Friday, and they talk about the whole league. So if you are like me, and you like to pay attention to teams outside of the Vikings, I love watching all the teams 
teams and what's going on and everywhere, uh, go check out Locked On NFL. It's hosted by Brian Peacock and co-hosted by a former scout, Matt Williamson. I was actually on the show a few weeks ago. They give you that same daily charm and a unique take on the game. It's definitely worth your time. Go check it out. So on the defensive line, I think there's really only one position battle going on. I think the defensive ends have basically solidified themselves with Weatherly and Odenabo. I think that Carter Schultz is essentially auditioning for other teams. I just don't think there's room for him on this roster. I think he's playing at a rosterable level, but there's just not room in the defensive line room. There's just already too many good players. But I think he has a lot to gain by playing well on Thursday because somebody else might take a chance on him. I really do stick to the, hold to the to my prediction that he ends up on somebody's roster, just not the Vikings, which is unfortunate. Unfortunate. I really like the guy. But it's the interior that suddenly got really interesting. You know, we thought that the three technique battle would kind of be the battle to watch in camp. And for a long time it was, but it's really solidified. You have Shamar Stefan, Hercules Mata'afa, Jalen Holmes, and that's kind of that. Uh, but now you have uh, some intrigue at the nose tackle position, and with Linval Joseph being out, at least for us covering, it's a bit fortuitous because we can kind of, while he rests and gets healthy, we can get a better chance to evaluate guys like Jaleel Johnson and Armin Watts, who split first-team reps against the Cardinals. And Armin Watts, at least in my opinion, outplayed Jaleel Johnson. This is now, I think, has become a 50-50 battle. Whoever's better against uh, the Bills on Thursday is the guy who gets the job. Now, if Jaleel Johnson doesn't play, that would be pretty surprising to me. I think, for one, I mean, Linval Joseph is the starter who's going to, like, sit out. So I think Jaleel Johnson will play. Uh, But if he doesn't, that would kind of indicate that he's already, you know, far beyond Armin Watts and that this isn't as much of a battle as I'm selling it as. But I really do think that it's a battle and I think it's going to be one of the most fun ones to watch because you have this incumbent who was a fourth round draft pick a couple years ago, hasn't lived up to that and is trying to fight and, and, you know, like live up to at least his expectations to make the team in his third year. And then you have a rookie in Armin Watts, who, if you remember, uh, he, he was kind of a senior year breakout. He didn't do anything in his first few years of college, but in senior year, he played very well. And of course, the question is always, was it a fluke? Was it real? You know, why is he just coming out now? What was going on in the first years? And uh, so the Vikings drafted him. And now it looks like that senior year turned out to be more indicative than maybe we Uh, initially thought when we were projecting the draft. And he's had a really, really nice preseason. He was flashing in camp and not quite putting it all together. I think he's putting it all together more consistently, and he's growing a lot faster than I thought he would. I kind of think that he has a chance to come in to the Buffalo game, outplay Jaleel Johnson, and steal his roster spot at the 11th hour. Moving on to the offensive line, I think all the starting offensive line positions are pretty much set, right? Of course, Brian O'Neill, who hasn't played at all in the preseason because of injury, but I think assuming he's ready to go, he'll take the right tackle spot. Uh, or it'll be Rashad Hill if he's not ready to go. But it sounds like he's rehabbing in a way that that he's preparing for week one. They're not putting him on the physically unable to perform list or anything like that. Yesterday, I posited that Drew Samia played well enough to kind of lock up his roster spot. I'm not guaranteeing that. I'm just saying that that kind of is my opinion of his game and, you know, where he already was considering that he was a fourth round draft pick. So on the offensive line, I think there's two real main battles going on here. I think there's Aviant Collins versus Oli Udo for the final tackle spot. And I think Oli Udo is the only one who's going to play and that bodes pretty poorly for Aviant Collins who I thought was having a decent camp, but he never got a chance to prove it in in the preseason. And ultimately, you know, a guy who's played like pretty well, but flawed is going to be better than a guy who hasn't played at all. Mike Zimmer said it before, you can't make the club in the tub. And I think that's really a shame for Aviant Collins, who I think had a chance to outplay Oli Udo. But if he doesn't get in in this Buffalo game, which looks pretty unlikely, he's only doing individual work right now, he won't get the chance to make his case. But on the interior, everybody is, at least as of this recording, healthy and well. You have Brett Jones, Uh, Danny Isadora, 
Drew Samia, and Dakota Dozier, and I think you can only pick uh, two of those guys, and I think Drew Samia is going to be one of them. So pick three, Danny Isadora has had a really rough preseason. I think he's been outplayed pretty handily by both Dozier and Brett Jones, not to mention that the latter two have a little bit more versatility, so I think it's going to be a kind of a match between those two for who gets to stay on the team, and then that's going to be your nine offensive linemen. Maybe you pick both and you get ten offensive linemen, depending on what you do at other positions. I think that's totally in the cards and a possible thing, and I think a lot of it comes down to how they play in the Buffalo game. Neither of them have really solidified their case yet. They both had good games. They both had lapses. And it's, you know, a matter of how consistently can they play on Thursday night on the road. I think the tight end room is fairly solidified. I think, uh, you know, as, as fun as Brandon Dillon and Cole Hikutini have been, you know, I think Brandon Dillon has locked up a practice squad slot, but I just don't think there's room for him on this roster. I don't think he's a better pass catcher or pass catching option than, say, Jeff Bidette or even like Dylan Mitchell, and and I think keeping a fifth tight end or a fourth tight end, you know, if David Morgan is on IR or whatever, uh, I, I don't think is necessary, but I really like Brandon Dillon, and I want to put him on the practice squad and, and bring him back next year and see what kind of noise he can make. Of course, we don't know what's going to go on with uh, David Morgan, but I think it's going to be Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Conklin, and Irv Smith, and then maybe David Morgan, and if not David Morgan, it opens up another spot for a pass catcher that would probably be a wide receiver, in my opinion. Some people have even said, like, an extra fullback in Kari Blassingham. I'll get to that in a second, but actually, let's talk about the wide receivers here, because you have a bit of a wide receiver three battle going on here. Chad Beebe has held this throughout. It's kind of a Jaleel Johnson situation. Chad Beebe has held this throughout all of camp in the preseason, but he had a really rough day against Arizona, and BC Johnson had a good day, and that's the second time in the preseason season that this has happened. Also, BC Johnson didn't participate in like live drills, which kind of tells us that they might actually not even want to play him against Buffalo, which means that they already know exactly what they want from him, which is usually good news for the player. I think BC Johnson's pretty comfortably on the roster, so is Chad Beebe, but a matter of who gets that third wide receiver spot, who's going to be the guy that they primarily use in 11 personnel, I think there's a lot riding on this for Chad Beebe. I think he needs to be a consistent contributor, and he needs to not drop any balls, otherwise he could lose that starting spot that he, or at least I consider it a starting spot, that he's held on to throughout all of camp to BC Johnson. And if BC Johnson plays, then it's just another opportunity for him to do something explosive and make his case. But elsewhere in the wide receiver room, of course, you have this kind of whole glut of guys at the roster bubble. Now, I think that Brandon Zilstra has kind of separated himself. I think Jeff Jeff Badette has has separated himself to some degree. Uh, He returned to practice, which is really great. Looks like we're going to see him in in Buffalo. I want to see another end around or something to him. I want to see him use that speed and also compete as a kickoff returner. I think Dylan Mitchell still has an outside shot, but he has been way too quiet in the preseason. And beyond that, you know, there's Jordan Taylor who just got cut and the two undrafted free agents who haven't really done much of anything. So I, I think it's really Zilstra and Jeff Bidette. I think Jeff Bidette has a chance to make the roster if David Morgan goes on the physically unable to perform list. Uh, but otherwise, I think it might be just more time on the practice squad for him or, you know, a chance with another team. Ultimately, you know, you can't just be speed. Uh, and he is the fastest guy, and I think he does have some value as a gadget player if you just wanted to use him for his athleticism, but it is fairly limiting for a guy who's going to take up a a spot on the 53-man roster. In the running back room, I think that Mike Boone has separated himself pretty cleanly from Amir Abdullah. I think he did that in the Arizona game. Uh, I think he just has, like, outplayed Amir Abdullah at most of these turns. Uh, However, it's it's not over yet. I, I think that it's not as locked up as, say, the backup quarterback battle is 
or the fullback battle where I think CJ Ham has pretty much taken out uh, Kari Blassingham. I think Kari Blassingham will get to the practice squad because I think the problems that he's having right now are that he's just missing too many blocks, and that is the primary job of a fullback. I know, like, I personally, I really, really want him to make the team. I really, really want him to be the Vikings fullback because I think he's athletic and explosive, and giving him a check down with 10 yards of green grass in front of him can actually create huge plays, and that's really exciting to me. But if you're going to be a fullback, you got to be a lead blocker, and he's just missed too many of those and blown up too many run plays this preseason for me to really feel good about his potential there. Um, but that's something that can be learned and something that he can, you know, kind of get under his belt. I believe CJ Ham needed a little bit of time to figure that out as well, since he started as a running back and putting Blassingham on the practice squad and doing this battle over again next year, I think is a great idea. But for now, I, I don't think that Blassingham, even if he has one consistent game, uh, I, I don't think he has enough time left to show the consistency necessary for the Vikings to roster him over CJ Ham, who has been way more consistent. So in terms of the running backs, I'm definitely more interested in watching Mike Boone versus Amir Abdullah, but even that I think is pretty close to being locked up for Boone, and then uh, Abdullah, really all he's trying to prove is that he's worth being the fifth running back on the roster, a la Rock Thomas. And so there you have it. I think that's what, like seven, eight battles that uh, you can watch over the Thursday preseason game, and that should take you all the way through the preseason game. Don't worry about the score. Don't worry about how the Vikings look. Don't worry about the actual result of any of the plays. Focus on those individual matchups, and I guarantee you, you will be compelled through the end of the game. There's a lot of cool stuff to watch. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Vikings. Next time we talk, we will be done with the preseason, and uh, I will recap the Thursday game, and I will also talk about my final roster predictions because cut down day usually starts like the next day, or at least like the Monday after, so I wouldn't get a chance to talk about it. So I'm going to kind of do those predictions, and I will get it out as soon as I can on Thursday night. Uh, If you are a night owl or on the West Coast like me, you can stay up for it. Otherwise, you'll be able to catch it Friday morning, of course. But in the meantime, you can always find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, and you can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow after the Buffalo Bills game. And as always, skull. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program.